0: Some of the best elk hunters in the
1: world. we across the canyon, pop up the other side, and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off
0: and say, I'm the best, one. That's you? I love it, and I feel like I'm super blessed
1: to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them.
0: you got to close that distance really quick on him, and if you can engage that much, that's a dead bull.
1: Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, or sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. All right. We were going to get way too far into a conversation. <laughs> that I, that never happens with us. No, no. I had to cut it off. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, um, my brother, Michael Batiste. Appreciate it, man.
2: Oh man. Excited to be back on with you. It's, yeah, it's been a little while since we've sat down and talked.
1: Yeah. It, well, it's, I mean, up until recently, it's been a little while since I sat down to record a podcast.
2: <laughs> well, with your, with your big move and everything else you got going on, it's understandable.
1: Yeah, yeah man. It was, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while coming, but I figured, you know, what guys are scrambling, gals are scrambling, everybody's, you know, trying to get in the the elk woods and there's folks that are behind the curve, some know it, some don't. So I figured, you know, get a few episodes in and and talk about Talk about particular subjects with the particular folks that have a particular skill set <laughs> for that particular problem.
2: <laughs> so what you're saying is we're going to get particular on this episode. Very I take
1: particular.
2: It. Perfect. I yeah. love it. Love
1: it. So, yeah, man, why don't you let's uh, drop a little bit, let folks know what's been going on with El Colin Academy and, and, you know, all that good stuff. And we'll go from there, brother.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Elk Calling Academy, you know, we still have, you know, the social media pages, the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and and actually TikTok. I've kind of decided going to start uploading a few more videos on TikTok after watching, you know, that platform explode. You guys dance. You dance. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, there there may be, there may be some dancing on the mountainside, <laughs> but, but the other thing, too, that really been focusing on here over the last, you know, probably since Memorial Weekend is re-recording all of the instructional videos and basically i had thought of you know i'm going to re-record all the videos and then i'm going to transition everything over to a new platform which is a true e-course platform and my goal was first of july and man i got into it and I have pretty big ambitions on what I want to do on this e-course. And all of a sudden I'm looking at how many days are left and how many videos Mm -hmm. I still have to record. And and I said, you know what? I I really want to get a lot of over-the-shoulder training videos this September. And so I put off launching the e-course until after September so I can get a lot of this stuff over the shoulder and actually, you know, showing. I did buy a couple of the Rode wireless to go mics. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, that way I can be sitting there and whispering into that and talking about what's going on right in the heat of the moment, which I think will be really, really good training scenarios and also teaching because it's one thing to just sit there and talk about a scenario or talk about a calling sequence or talk about this. But with the ability of doing it real time right there and capturing that and and even if I have to come back afterwards and do some voiceovers because maybe, you know, that elk's a little too close and I don't want to whisper. Um, but I just I think it's going to be invaluable. And the other thing that I'm doing is so many so many things out there just focus on diaphragm reads. And, and so what I've done this go around is. I've done introduction to calling on diaphragm reeds, but I've also done introduction to calling on open read cow calls and introduction to calling on external external reed bugles. And when I went into each of the sounds, you have a whole series that's just the diaphragm reeds for all the cow sounds. Then you have another series that's all those same cow sounds, but now on an open read, Cow calls. So for those people that can't use a diaphragm read, it gives them a place to go and learn the sounds and learn the calling sequences so that they can go out and enjoy the same thing that diaphragm users can mm-hmm. and have kind of done a mix, you know, in some of these sequences. Hey, here's here's the diaphragm only. Here's an open read only. Here's how to blend the two. And so um, I think right now. God, what, what what 37 videos, 37 training videos is what I have. And, and so, and I haven't even got into sequences and setups or e-scouting or, so, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really, really excited. And the other thing that I've done too on these videos that I've already done and edited is I've gone over and I've transcribed them into written text too. And so the written text will be down below. So, cause some people, they do a little better when they're reading along, hearing somebody talk. And so it's, yeah, I I think it's, I think it's really going to be a a really good mix and cater to a much broader spectrum of, of elk hunters and, and, you know, new elk hunters or maybe those that just want to learn a little bit, you know, those that have been hunting a few years and haven't quite had the success that they, they want or just, got bit by the bug and give me more feed, feed me that IV, give me the knowledge, give me the lingo and everything.
1: Yeah. that That's funny that you say, you know, the success that they want. I remember there was a point in my, in my, well, I'm still in my beginnings right in terms of elk hunting and, and how, you know, how much time you get to spend out there. You don't realize how much of elk hunting, and this is, you know, purely my opinion folks um, is, about what you earn yeah right I mean it is mm-hmm. you're going to get out of it what you put into it and there's some perspective in that right because you know last year I, I I had the goose egg right but what I got out of last season was exactly what I was looking for in terms of where I want to be as an elk hunter for you know years down the road um, mm-hmm. but man it's so much about you know, what you're putting in, you get out and it's something else. Cause we, you've, you said it a billion times. I want it and I want it now. And yeah, and yeah, there's some instances where, where it plays out that way, but well, I mean, numbers don't lie. 90% of the time it does. not <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, and, and, and I mean, you, you figure the, the average on elk hunting is one elk every six to seven years that's the average. So, I mean, you, you know, you're you're somebody in that average category. You hunt 20 years. You're only looking at two to three elk harvested during that 20-year period. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of people, you know, focus on the shooting, the equipment, the, you know, getting the body physically ready, but they they don't look inward and they don't look between the years and and they don't spend the time on that aspect of it. When in reality, that's one of the most important things that's going to contribute to your consistent success out there, knowing what you're hunting, knowing how their behaviors, knowing, knowing why they do what they do and when and why. And it just, it makes a huge difference. Now, mind you, it's still a wild animal. It's it's still there's still a, a factor of luck involved too. But with that knowledge, you remove so many variables. And okay, you, you you get in a situation or this or that and it didn't work out. You're able to walk away from that and go, okay, why? What happened? And and analyze all that. And then, you know, you walk around the mountain or go into the next drainage and man, all of a sudden you've got another encounter. Oh, I understand what's going on here. I've been in this before. I've studied this before. I know exactly what to do and how to do this. And so it just, it increases your encounters, which ultimately increases your opportunities, which in return equates to more success. You know, you said...
1: well you said a couple things in there that stood out right and and one you said behavior last year last year i said you know what no matter what i'm gonna focus on when these animals give me the opportunity to stop set back and just watch them i don't if you're if you're willing to do that right you're gonna sacrifice Mm -hmm. you are going to sacrifice an opportunity to do that But I tell you what, the lessons that I learned doing that last year are worth their weight in gold, not just this year, but for every other elk season that I have the the opportunity and privilege to go out and chase them. And (laughs) you said the why the animal didn't come in. Uh, (laughs) The first, the first priority and look at that is how did you. F that situation up because the elk didn't F that situation up <laughs> and man, it happened to me. It happened to me three times last year where I was, where, you know, like there's no, you can't fool yourself. You can't BS yourself, you know, right? And I go, damn, I screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, be it, be it, you, you get a setup going and you don't wait long enough. You get impatient Right. Because what happened in this one instance, and I'm not going to go long winded into it is, is I've been playing this bull. I kind of knew where he was at. So I just started, you know, just I started with a, a sequence and I went in there as a as a new bull introduced him. And I didn't introduce him audibly, you know, at least vocally. And I heard that bull. He responded to me. He responded the way I expected him to respond. And that was very low audible. Right. 35 minutes goes by, 45 minutes goes by, nothing. What did I do? Okay, the sound came from over there. So my impatient ass, I creep up. As soon as I got to where I couldn't see my position that I just left, what do you think I heard? Some bitch down there, he's scent checking He's smelling to see who was just there. And I was and all I could do was put my head down and shake my head. And it's like, you know what? Chalk another one up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But see, the thing is, is you took personal accountability there because it's too easy nowadays to not look inward and go, how did I screw that up? It's to, to focus on other aspects. Mm-hmm. Oh, the elk are, they're call shy, they're educated or, oh, there's pressure or this or that. It's, it's in, in the, the whole call shy and educated thing. I have so many encounter stories that just blow holes in that theory. it, But it it is it's it's people not looking inwardly and going going, okay how did I screw that up what did I do you know was my setup good maybe you had a piss poor setup and and that was the reason or I I mean there's there's a lot of factors but you looked inward and said okay what did I do and and majority of the people won't do that because it's easier to point outward than it is inward and well I mean if you sit back and you look at it
1: right and you go. Do I want to just notch this year? Is that my goal? Or do I want to successfully chase elk every single daggum year? And maybe it's not the bull you're looking for, but have a legitimate shot opportunity where I'm able to draw Mm -hmm. back on a bull. And if I choose to send it, I send it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I, if I'm in the, I want to be in the 90% early and then I want to be forever in that 10% come hell or high water. Right. And I think settling back and looking at it and, you know, really learning from the mistake in the moment is for me is better. Right. Because then I can't, I'm not going to forget it. If I, if I try and make excuses and then I think about it, you know, come mid March and say, Oh damn, what, what, what happened there? What happened there? And then I knew better because the, every scenario that played out, even when I was calling for Brandon, they took a while to unfold now if i would have i was anxious i was at that point i was very anxious i was beyond 17 days on the mountain right i had i had been chasing one bull almost the entire time that that might have been well it wasn't but i i blew it again but that might have been the one the one true opportunity to have you know to draw back on that bull
2: now, whether or not right. I had the
1: shot opportunity, you know that remains to be seen. But
2: but you had it within bow range, and that I, I mean that's a, su- a successful hunt right there. And and you know the one thing that you said was you 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 took the time to sit down and observe and watch, and and I mean if you have the opportunity close enough to not only visually see but also hear. You can hear all these vocalizations and you can see the demeanor and the body language and the interactions and everything. And then all of a sudden, this light bulb is going to go off and go, holy crap, mm. I understand that sound now, being able to see it. But a lot of people won't take the time to do that because they're just going to, you know, rush in. And if they would just take that little bit of time to sit down, God, the the valuable lessons that you learn from doing that. And I mean, there's a lot of people too that, you know, they, they tag out early. How many people do you see go opening morning, tags punched. And then it's like, Oh no, I'm done for the year. I'm not going to go back out. Really? I I mean, you had, yeah, you have a week off of vacation, go learn, Mm -hmm. observe, study. I mean, I, I want to be in the Elkwoods watching, learning, listening, any chance I get. So yeah, if, if there's season left and I have the ability to go out and even though tagged out and everybody in the group's tagged out, you can bet your butt I'm going to be out there with the camera and binoculars and continuing to learn because Mm -hmm. it's, it's an ever evolving process and always learning and adjusting. Do you think, and that's one of the things that, that at least
1: in my head, I've, I feel like even, even with the limited Septembers I have under my belt is that I've noticed a difference in the behavior of the elk. Especially in the one unit that I've hunted multiple times as the crowds have built in there, um, they're going silent faster um, when the vehicles. I mean, they're just skedaddling. They're not responding to typical calling. Um kind of hence our conversation. Um, have you seen that over the years where it feels like, like you said, like they are educated in
2: that? So I, I wouldn't per se call it educated. I would, I would call it more adaptive to survive. And in and, and they adapt in their environment based on, you know, the outside forces that influence, you know, where they live. And and yeah, I have noticed it. It's, it's, it's just like you know, a couple of years ago when I recorded that video for the the training videos of the one-on-one where I was in work in the bull. And, and I remember that cow that came in and I mean, she was only 15 yards from me, but the camera barely picked up her audible. And I was like, holy cow. And here we are running around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, max volume on the diaphragm read. And, and and again, it's it's one of those things that I really really preach in the elk Calling academy of Are you moving around the mountain and calling like a human, or are you moving around and calling like an elk? Are you paying attention to what's going on around your around you? You know what's happening out there? We're calling in
1: desperation.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. But I mean, yeah, it's one of those things, but also the ability to, you know, recognize those. So just like when, when the wolves were introduced here in, in, in Idaho, I I mean, I remember before the wolves, you know, really, really came in or before they were introduced, man, some of the places we hunted, you, you would have, you would have bulls come out on the point of a ridge And just rock that canyon. I mean, just max volume, let that bugle fly. I want to know where everybody's at. Because at that time, the elk were all in little groups, spread out all over. And then once the wolves really came in and really hammered the herds, so the herds had to adapt. And so instead of all these little small groups, now all of a sudden you have one herd of elk that's 200 heads strong that continually doesn't go back to the same bedding area every year. They have multiple bedding areas and they have a three or four day rotation that they do just to keep their scent down and stay on the move. But the other thing, too, with the bugling is I noticed you had to get in thicker timber and you had to get within 150 yards, before that elk would even respond and you had to turn your volume down too because if you did max volume and let that thing echo and you're standing there admiring how that thing's echoing down the canyon those elk are going the other way because they're like there's going to be wolves over there real soon so so yeah it it, it is those adaptations of survival
1: you keep bringing stuff up man we're, gonna, we're not going to get to what we're <laughs> going to talk about so And and it's just, you know, and for me, like, you know, these close to season episodes, I think they're invaluable. Um, What we hear or what we think we sound like and what we think is valuable out there versus what the elk hear and what we should be paying attention to. Right. Because that's the first thing you want to do. Most folks. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with it if you're going to crack off a locate. Right. right. Don't crack off a locate with a growl at the end in the beginning and then just go immediately into the chuckle. Right. Just that single to double note locate. Let that sucker ring. Don't hold it for 10 to 15 seconds. Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be super. That's one of the things I noticed, too. We can talk about that later. Uh, but but talk about what. How do you put that in, in, in perspective, right? Because a lot of times we're, we're putting our emotion into it, or at least we think we are, but then we're hindering ourselves uh, when we get too emotional and too excited about how clis- crisp and clean it sounds echoing across canyons.
2: Oh, <clears throat> the, so basically the striving for the perfect bugle the the perfect note transitions the perfect length and you know everything that we're striving for out there is perfection and i had to laugh last year because Bryce and Eric and i were standing we had this little corner that we would bugle from and uh, just just to kind of locate elk for the next morning and i in fact i was i was on a external rebugle cuz it hits that high ear ringing note that is what you want to strive for on the location bugle. That's really what they respond to. And in this particular tube just hits that really, really well. And I, and I hit that and three bulls started responding. And there was one bull up top that you could tell, you, you could just tell by his bugle that he was a mature bull. I mean, he had that really, really deep bottom end. And, and you could just tell there was just a lot of power in that. And so I started mimicking him and trying to mimic his bugle on an open on an on a external reed bugle oh It just, it sounded horrible in in my ears because it wasn't this pretty clean, but that dude was getting fired up. In fact, I remember Eric pulling out his phone and he starts recording and I'm like, what are you going to, what are you doing? He goes, I just want to show everybody that you don't have to be perfect. You can sound horribly bad, but listen to how this bull is responding. (laughs) That's a good, (laughs) that was a a jab (laughs) and (laughs) a, well, we were, we were all shocked. I, I mean, we were just stunned at how he was responding you know to this view and it wasn't perfect, it wasn't clean, but it was mimicking exactly what he was doing and, and you're right we, we we get stuck in our head what we think the elk want to hear, what we think it needs to sound like um, I, I mean there's a lot of times especially like when I'm getting ready for competitions man, I'll, I'll get my routines dialed in. I'll get them practiced. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I oh man, this sounds so good. I'll get out the camera and I'll record it. And then all of a sudden I'll play it back. And it's like, X that, X that, that sounded horrible, like this, I like that. And, and it, it, it's because we get, we're creatures of habit. And so, you know, we like a specific sound. We like a specific way. But unless we're listening to real elk, And their vocalizations and mimicking what we're doing to match them. Yes. No. And that's the thing. And I'll tell you what, Lauren and Allie with Good Bull Outdoors, they have been putting out some incredible clips lately with cow vocalizations that, in fact, I shared another one today that was like, holy crap, here's some great vocalizations to practice to. And that's, I I think that's one of the things that, that, you know, we don't do that enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't just sit there and pull up a YouTube video of actual elk or pull up that, you know, footage that Lauren and Allie posted. And, And there's a lot of people that post them on Instagram and stuff, but we don't pull those videos up and we don't turn on a phone to record, to record that sound and then record us doing it to f- see how well we're mimicking, mm-hmm. see how well we're matching. And do we have the cadence right? 15-second video, do we have the length right? Are we holding it too long? Are we too short? So, I mean, there's a lot of information that that you can just get yourself by doing that simple stuff right there that'll make all the difference in the world out in the field. 15 second locate, man, I might pass out at 10,000. <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a, uh, that's a hell of a locate right there, buddy. Uh, yeah. So man, all right, here we go, folks. We're getting to it. <laughs> so a, a lot of, a lot of what we do and, and I, you know, you see it at the archery shoots, you hear it at the archery shoots, um, things of that nature where, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but we we tend to focus on one or two sounds as individual sounds, um, be it cow or bull, calf for that matter. Um, and I feel like we kind of hang ourselves out to dry, right? Because you can be walking through and ew, 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 oh, so much, right? What If you're not hearing nothing, it's time to change it up. You can be hitting the locate and... The roundup bugle and hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, and nothing, nothing, nothing. If if that is your repertoire, right? Individual sounds by themselves, right? Or you know, a cow, a calf over here. Throw my locate back over here. um, we're, We're, I can't say we're setting ourselves up for failure per se, right? But on from my experience on an over the counter unit, on a do it yourself hunt be it front country, back country, or 10 feet off the road, right? <laughs> it's problematic if if we limit our repertoire to those individual sounds as individuals are used in a, call it a, th- you know, a threesome, a, a, a <laughs> an elk call, <laughs> right. an elk call menage a trois, if you will. <laughs> so I want to talk sequences, man. Sequences, scenarios, sure. introducing those sequences and scenarios into the woods. Um, and then you know maybe your top three,
2: okay? Yeah. So I mean sequences are, are are huge, and you're exactly right, and that just goes back to you know the question that I asked earlier of you know are you calling like an elk or are you calling like a human? Because again we are creatures of habit, and and I mean it's it it takes time to learn all the different sounds, and it takes time to become proficient. But now that you have that knowledge, you know, those different sounds, you, you, you can do them. You have that proficiency. Now what? Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. There's, there's not a lot about sequences. And the other thing about limiting just those three calls, it, it, it goes back to an old timer that I ran into early in my career that, you know, was talking and, and, you know, we were on the mountainside. It was, well, we were in camp, but uh, he came, he came rolling by camp and we were just kind of chit chatting with him and, He kind of made a point that has stuck with me. And he says, how can you write a book for a story that hasn't even happened yet? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, each encounter with an elk is different. They're going to be in different mindsets. They're going to be in different situations. And plus, you know, different times throughout the rut cycle within September, they're going to have different needs and wants and focuses. And so if you limit yourself to one thing, how many opportunities are you really missing out on? Mm-hmm. Sure, you could sit there and you could run around and run around until you find something that is on that same chapter as you are. But why not have that versatility? And, and that's where the different, different sequences, you know, come in. We have, you know, we have the inviting cow routine, which, and, and, and again, let me let me back up before I really start going into these. You also need to understand what the focus on each part of the year is, you know, early season, you know, where are they at? Are they gathering cows? Are they, you know, establishing their pecking order, gathering cows, getting their, you know, harems put together. Oh, now it's more middle of the season. They've got their, they've got their herds put together. Now it's scent check-in and breeding cows, you know, now it's, you know, post rut what's going on here. And then, you know, rifle season, it's a different approach each time. And so like the first part of the season, you know those elk are basically they've they've for the most part rub, rubbed the velvet off their antlers. They're they're hard horned. They've established their pecking order so that that harmonious kumbaya that they spent all summer with the bachelor group of bulls that they were living with is no Bye. longer so friendly. Yeah, there's they, yeah there's, there's 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 no friendliness there anymore. But but understanding okay, what's their mindset? What what are they trying to do right now? Their their goal is to gather cows. So why would you, why would you want to focus on, um, you know, a lot of bull vocalizations right off the get go? Why not give them what they're looking for? And that's, you know, the inviting cow routine that um, every sound within the, every sound within the inviting cow routine has a specific message. And it's inviting. It's asking for a response. It's asking for an elk to come to me. It's asking for a group of elk nearby to gather up. Now, again, how can you write Mm -hmm. a book for a story that hasn't happened yet? Being just so focused on that cow routine, that inviting cow routine, that you don't have the ability to morph it or adjust it Based on what's going on out there. And, and you can you can take that. And, and a lot of times, what's going to happen this time of the year, you're doing these inviting cow routines and you're asking for a response. And all of a sudden a bull hits you with a roundup bugle. It's like, oh, we got a response. You, you did. And you got a response of a bull saying, Hey, I hear you. Come, Come to me. Over here. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is you're, you know, you're going to stay exactly where you're at, still doing the routine. And he's going to stay exactly where he's at, saying, Come, Come over, over here. here. But don't recognize that. And, and so being able to morph, and this is, this is a wrinkle that I, I dove deep in last week during live Q&A, was putting a wrinkle on this to now if, if, if that bull is sitting over there just doing the roundup bugle and he's getting more demanding at it, meaning he's, he's getting heavier on the bark and he's getting sharper on the whine and his chuckles are getting a little more aggressive. He's getting frustrated because you're not doing what he's wanting you to do. Now, on the flip side, he's not doing what you want because you're asking him to come to you. So you both are sitting here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Now, imagine if you introduce a bull, a bull slipped in silently on this cow and man, you just do a little bit of raking. And then, man, he comes back with a more aggressive roundup bugle and then you hit him him with some puffs, grunts and whines. And, and basically what you're going to do at this point is you're going to take him from that frustrated point of view because the cow wasn't coming now he's going to get agitated because he's like holy crap this little punk bull slipped in the back door now he's over there with the cow because he did what she was asking i didn't and then all of a sudden you take it from frustration to aggression and then man early on in the season you're going to find yourself in the middle of a challenging screen fest with a bull that if you tried to go right to that scream fest, he wouldn't give you the time of day because that's not his mindset. But you took this calling sequence to build that emotion on. And that's basically what sequences are. They're telling a story and building emotion. And, and you're playing on that bull's mindset or what their objective is for that time of year. But that's, that's the ability to take a sequence and just do a little wrinkle on it and adjust it while you're on the fly so a couple things that that you know last year
1: I saw early on not just last year but last year was like holy crap where you know you got a a decent rag and and he's running he's running the cows right and the, the one in particular he had 13 cows and if you if you bugled at him He's hooking and prodding and pushing, and he's like, we're getting out of country. And he would, every single time, he would book it right over to private. Um, he'd go up and over the ridge, and he'd take them all, and he'd just hook and push all the way over to private. Um, and I think we hear a bugle, and we immediately want to bugle back, right? Instead of mm-hmm. saying, I'm responding to this cow – because she's saying, get over here. Well, I'm coming over here. Now I'm introducing this because I'm listening to her. Instead of uh-huh. bugling, we don't know. That that little rag probably got his butt kicked. And I watched. <laughs> it was amazing, dude. I watched <laughs> five different bulls. Okay. Throughout the season until big boy that what my butt came in. So that's four other bulls. Run this group of cows, right, and think that it was his until Big Boy came. And when Big Boy came, them boys were ghosts, and they would sit on the outskirts, and you'd hear them chuckle, and, you know, I'm I'm Billy Badass over here, you know, half a mile away now. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I I think our -hmm. our first response is to not think, okay, I just – I tried to lover him, but then I'm going to just introduce – a fighter, right on top of that, and then if it goes silent, we go. Oh, okay. He doesn't. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to right. come in here and battle me.
2: Huge mistake. Right. And, and yeah, that that's exactly right. Because as soon as we hear that bugle, a lot of times the first inc- inclination is, oh, I'm going to challenge him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm going to. But but he's not in that mindset, and that's why I was talking about introduce that bull with a little bit yes, of raking. Yes, sir. I just want which to emphasize is an, it. <laughs> which is a non-threatening non-aggressive sound mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden now you can pay attention to his responses is he getting more agitated is he getting more responsive is he getting more volume what's what how is he responding to this element that i just introduced okay he opened up the door a little bit because he kind of cracked off a little bugle he okay let's say he he responds with a lip ball display bugle, which, you know, a lip ball is telling telling cows, come to me, I'm a dominant bull, but it's also telling other bulls in the area, stay away, Mm -hmm. I'm a dominant bull. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do some raking, you know, he hits me with this, this lip ball. And now all of a sudden I come back with huffs, grunts and whines and chuckles. So I'm still, because now basically you're kind of portraying of, okay, this bull that came in on the cow, maybe he's not really sure if he's wanting to be there because this other bull is, oh, I'm I'm kind of intimidating this guy a little bit. Yes, yes. You know what? You know what? I'm going to raise my aggression level and I'm going to intimidate that little punk that came in the back door. He still doesn't know what you are now. And, And you've given yourself the room that you can elevate your aggression level To match his. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden he gets more aggressive. Now all of a sudden you hit him with a lip ball back. And now all of a sudden he's over there going, You little cocky SOB, really? This is this this is my area. I'm the dominant bull in this. Because that's what happens a lot of times is those, those those mature dominant bulls will sit back and let those smaller subordinate bulls do all the work of rounding up the cows. Because they know, they've learned over time, you know what, I can go down and I can spend four days worth of energy rounding up cows or I can hang back here until that dude brings his 15 cows up here and I spend 20 minutes of energy of kicking his butt and now all of a sudden I've got 15 cows. And that's kind of the scenario, the picture that you're pointing or, or that you're painting here with this inviting cow that now introduced another bull that actually came to her and this other guy just kind of sat back there. Well, now you're kind of forcing that to where that big dude's like, okay, it's 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 on. And in, I haven't done this routine. I haven't done this morph a bunch, but each time I've done it has gotten the aggression level on that bull so far that when he comes in, it's a freaking Mac daddy, freight train, man. I mean, and it's hard to stop him. I mean, you're on your cow call. Yeah. 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 You basically have to bark at him to get him to stop. And, and the thing is, is he's not going to come in so far and stop to see what's going on. He is going to go all the way to that tree or the bush where that bull made that sound from. Cause he's only coming in with one thing, but to go back to something you said earlier, it takes the patience to let this to all develop yeah. yep to let it develop not rush it just let it flow naturally and not try to force it and and, and honestly i
1: you know i i want to play the punk bull like if i'm going after any bull i'm especially that early in the season I'm going to keep it real punky, right? I'm going to ha- I'm going to sound, I'm going to be on that higher pitch of things. And if I'm, if I'm coming down on that bottom, as I'm coming out, it's not going to sound like I got a big, huge chest. chest. You know oh. what I mean? I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it nice and light and I'm going to just let them know, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit timid, but I'm here.
2: <clears throat> and, and see, that is one reason why I absolutely love Huff's Grunts and Wines. Because you can do Huff's Grunts and Wines a couple of different ways. You know, you can do it timid, like you're talking about. You know, you're you're portraying that smaller bull. But now as he starts getting more aggressive, you can still stay with the Huff's Grunts and Wines. But now we're going to ramp it up you know i'm still saying the same thing but i actually took that aggression level and it's just kind of it. elevated a little bit just based on the information that he was giving me now imagine if we just went with that more aggressive huff, grunts and whines right off the get-go yeah, he, he's, get gonna, get, get, he's gonna yeah inti- intimidate that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's gonna push them cows. I mean, that's his yeah. thing, right? I got the cows. I'm the I'm the big dude around campus right now. You're not taking my cows. He's gonna run. They, yeah. He is going to run. He doesn't need to come in and try and fight a larger bull, even though he doesn't know you. He, you know, yep. He's going. I got these girls. I'm taking these girls. They're mine. He's not. Yeah. So. Okay. So you talked about the phases of the rut. Yep. And I think one thing is important to get out on that since you brought it up is knowing, knowing where you're at in season. Yes. There's some information, um, that we can base that on, but, but what's kind of your go-to if you're walking in the woods, how do you know where you're at? Are you spending the time to kind of look, listen, observe, or how's a guy that says, hey, I only got seven days to knock this out. How do they go in and test those proverbial waters?
2: Well, and, and again, that's that's doing a little bit of research before you head out there. Um, you know, Miss, Mr. Mark at Treeline Pursuits, uh, he, he did a post a couple of years ago that that kind of had a breakdown of, of dates of, you know, pre, peak, and post. And, and I thought it's one of the best breakdowns that, that I've ever seen out there. And, and of course, I mean, you're, you're going to have adjustments. You're going to have, you know, slight adjustments in, in, in different areas, depending on where they're at. But, you know, for the most part, it's, you know, our season opens August 30th. So for me, August 30th to September 10th, 12th. I'm kind of focusing on that. Okay. These guys are in the, in the, in the cow gathering mode. They're, they're in that harem gathering mode. They're in the transition of, of moving into, you know, their, their breeding zones, their breeding areas, and and they're kind of getting ready for that peak rut to get going. Now from about the 13th till about the 28th, you know, roughly that two week or two week plus. Now I'm going to focus on the peak rut. I'm going to focus on the breeding sequence, which is, one of my go-to calling sequences because I absolutely love it. And the breeding sequence is basically you're telling a story or painting a picture that you're a bull that has a hot cow. And, and in fact, I was, I, I was doing a lesson last week and I was talking about that and I asked him if, have you ever gone into a Canyon and all of a sudden, and I've heard this from all kinds of people, Man, we went to the canyon and the bulls were going nuts. Finally, finally, somebody flipped the switch. The switch was on. The rut is on. Man, it's going to be bugle activity like this for the next remainder of the season. And they come back in the next day and it's crickets. I was going to say, yeah, about three hours. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But they come back in the next day. And and what, what do we immediately think of? Oh, somebody else must have came in here and hunted and pushed him out, or this or that. Mm-hmm. No, it's because the day that you went in there, she there was a cow in estrus. She She's releasing driven. all those yeah. pheromones in the air, and that's creating that excitement. I mean, you're hearing the cows and the calves, and and I mean, yeah, when there's a cow in estrus, I mean, there is a lot of excitement. You got cows and calves going, you got multiple bulls bugling, and and that's what it. That's what the breeding sequence portrays is is that scenario there. And, and so I was talking to him last week and, and he says, yeah, I've been in that. And I said, what did you do? He goes, I sat there and bugled for five and a half hours at that bull and never got him to budge. And I said, what? <laughs> I said, I said, uh, I, I said, was, oh, and I said, was there other bulls bugling? And he goes, yeah, there was like six or seven bulls. And I said, then how are you any different? Yeah. Ooh, what do you mean? You weren't any different than those satellite bulls. The only difference is you were probably 150, 200 yards away, which was not a threat to him at all, because he had all these ad- other satellite bulls right in there trying to compete for that cow that he's more focused on. You at your 150, 200 yards, You're, you, you didn't, you didn't burst his comfort bubble. I said, now imagine if you kind of sat there for a little bit and listened. And and if you had a chance to see what's their interactions and then you back out and then you come back in that same spot the next day and it's quiet. And all of a sudden you start doing a breeding sequence. What do you think is going to happen? All those bulls that were focused on that hot cow are all of a sudden going to focus on you. Now, instead of six bulls bugling back at that herd bull, you're going to have seven bulls bugling at you. Because that herd bull, yeah, he has all those cows. He's going to run around and scent check all of his cows real quick. Mm, I don't have a cow in estrus, but that dude over there does. Mm -hmm. And you can pull that herd bull away from his herd at that. He'll tuck his cows into a safe place, and then he will come back to check out what you're doing and he's going to want to scent check the air he's going to want to make sure that yep there are the pheromones and oh the lip curl and the nostril yeah but but that's that's one thing did that's that good, cool yeah. you, you you, imagine, you've done that a time or two you
1: imagine if we walked in the bars and that's what we did when yeah. we walked in the bar
2: yeah <laughs> lips up and shit yeah yeah exactly or, or walking you know glunking and, um, yeah, but. But no, and that's one cool. That, that's one thing that's really cool about that breeding sequence is because you can go into a, a highly rut active area one day, and, and like you said, it may be just a few hours. It, it could be all that in the morning, and then they you know go until one two o'clock, and all of a sudden they bed down and it's quiet. And then in the evening you don't hear a peep. You so know, I, that that is that is one
1: of my favorite sequences and i've had it work on opener yep and yeah we we watched that bull and i just couldn't my boy couldn't get in the right position we heard that bull and i started in on it i mean we kept him there dude i can't remember how long it was it always seems like it's forever forever I'll probably, <laughs> I probably say 45 minutes was probably like 20, but he hung. I mean, he hung for a while and we were dominant. We were uphill dominant on him. When was in our favor, we just didn't have enough cover for my boy to slip on that down with side and work up to him. And it sucked because dude, he, I mean, I think I told you about that.
2: Yeah, you did. I mean, yeah. he
1: was just right. Ra- and that's all he did. He just rake. He never stopped raking. He'd never stop. He, you know, his head would look like he's looking up and he'd just keep breaking. And I stayed off that back, you know, back off that, that, uh, top. So he couldn't see us. And, and I will, I will caveat it and, and tell me if you disagree, but it is one of the more, especially if you're solo, it is one of the more difficult sequences to run and to be in a position to take a shot. You really yes. have to set yourself up to where there's no windows, right? He can't see through. You need him to come through. So if you're solo on that breeding sequence, I would say it needs to be thick cover and you need to yep. give yourself to where you're 10, 15 yards and he yep. has to come in there. I mean, it yep. is super difficult solo.
2: Yep. Yep. It is. And and that's where your setup. Well, I mean, your setups are always critical, but it's even more so when you're solo because, you know, you don't have that caller back behind you to pull him by. So, I mean, you are you're you're the caller, you're the shooter, everything. And, And the one main ingredient in the breeding sequence is movement you you have to be moving yes. around while you're doing this you have to give that appearance because again if you've never sat and watched a bull dog a cow that's in estrus you would not understand how they move and and it's in and, and it's kind of in a circle i figure it that, that, that she's constantly doing yeah. and that's yeah i'll i'll do the circle i'll do the figure eight or i'll do the the four square box mm-hmm. it, it you know, just just kind of mix it up you know throughout a little bit but yeah, you, you definitely your vegetation in those setups to where he's got to come around a corner on a point, or, you know, he's got to come through a hallway in the brush. Maybe you got a brushed in Creek that there's a, there's a window in and, and you're down on the downwind side and you know, he's got to come all the way past that brush to be able to see you. And you do end up with a lot of frontal shots when you're, when you're solo on this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites, is is too. And, and in fact, there's there's a lot of times that if I'm back calling for one of the guys and I'm doing the breeding sequence right, man. By the time that's done, I need to sit down and yeah. eat a <laughs> bar, or drink yeah. a water, so because you know I, I I'm getting into it. Yeah, you're you're literally a
1: bull and a cow. Like you, I am. You get into that thing about I don't know. Give it a minute and a half, two minutes, and you know it's working. Dude, I'll find myself, I'm glunking and I'm walking and my shoulders are bouncing. And I mean, you really, really get involved into it.
2: You do. And and then the more they interact and engage in it. I I mean, there's (laughs) there's times times I'm back there and I'm just grinning ear to ear. But it always gets to that one point that as soon as they respond with a certain sound, that that I've done it for long enough that as soon as I hear that, I'm like, you're dead.
1: We got you. Or, or. It's time to go now, either do it now or the situation is blown. Right. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll let it play out. It's like, you know, the, the one with my boy and we just, the problem was the dominant position. I think he would have Mm, come further hadn't we been
2: dominant on him. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. It's, it's basically you had the advantage and, and, and so, and, and that's another thing that's important in your setups is you want to, you, you want to create a level playing field. You want to make him feel comfortable to come and, and getting on that same elevation. The other nice thing about the same elevation is who cares what the thermals are doing. It doesn't matter if the thermals are blowing up, up or, or blowing down. down. If yeah. you're, if you're on the same elevation, you're not going to get winded and, and that's key there. But also too, I mean. If they're out in a meadow or out in a small opening and you're in dark timber, again, you have an advantage because that bull is going to have to come from the bright light into the shadows of the timber and his eyes are going to need to adjust for a minute. And they're not going to put themselves in that situation because they know that brief second that their eyes are adjusting, that bull that's in the dark timber could bum rush them. And now all of a sudden, you know, they they took an antler in the in the shoulder and now they're mortally wounded or not mortally, but sometimes it is, Mm -hmm. but, or, or, or it could be a serious, serious injury to where he's done breeding. His now focus is, you know what, I got to heal this up just so I can survive the upcoming winter. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, understanding that in, in getting on that level playing field, getting them, getting them comfortable on, it doesn't matter what sequence you're doing, get, you, you remove those advantages disadvantages and make it a level playing field and that's a that i mean that
1: that is very 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 good advice right because again we you know we we do something we get a response we may have the opportunity we may not but looking for the opportunity in the heat of that moment and saying oh i got to capitalize now right that that's the mofo that is the it mofo is. right but but having the place of mind to do that is gonna serve you because I mean that's what it is. It's it's implement it plan, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Implement some more. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but but the other thing in that situation too is, and, and this is one of the toughest things to do because, like you said, now we have this engagement, but maybe it's not the best setup. You know, th- there is there is an advantage disadvantage type situation, and sometimes the best play is to go silent, mm-hmm. go quiet, let things kind of chill, reposition. And then re-engage because now you've improved your setup, you've improved the situation, but that's so hard for us to do. It's like, you know what, I'm going to force him to do what I I want and I am going to will him and (laughs) on occasion, on occasion, it will happen. You may get away with it, but a majority of the time it's not. And so, yeah, sometimes it's really, really hard. And, and so that's why, you know, a lot of times, especially if we're locating, as soon as we get a response, we're, we're going through the Rolodex. Where's he at? What type of response? What type of morning? Is he near his bedding area? Is he still in the transitional corridor? How long is it going to take us to get over there? What are the thermals going to be doing? And, and we're calculating all this before we even take a step. So, because it, it, it may be, you know what, by the time we get over there, he's going to be in a, he's going to be in a spot that there's no way we can get to him. There's nothing we can do. So, you know what, we're going to leave him in his normal pattern. And we're going to try to catch him in this evening's travel corridor as he leaves that spot. Cause we have, we have one bull, this dude, we have tried five different approaches to get to where he is. And I wouldn't say that each one failed. Each one told us not what to do. And oh, okay, we need to figure out a different way. But he has this, he has this, he he beds down on this, on this point of timber. And to the side of him is buckbrush in a creek, and then an open hillside. And then above that point is open hillside. So If you're there too late in the day, thermals are blowing up. He just slips right out that buck brush through the creek bottom and out he goes. We tried that once. We tried coming, okay, let's walk right on the side of that buck brush where he can't see us, work up and loop around and thermals are blowing up. He heard us walking on the rocks (laughs) and slipped out. The one time we actually got in there that I thought, okay, this is it. We're on his elevation. We know he's bedded. We're going to hang out over here because thermals aren't a factor because we're up on the edge of the timber. It's open up above us. We're going to wait until he gets up on the evening. Then we're going to slip in and we're going to pressure him. Yeah. That happened to be the one time that a stinking bear came in and blew them out of their beds. Yeah. But the, the outside influence.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, that that is and that's a factor that we don't talk about much. Right. We talk about hunter pressure. We talk about thermals, um, Mm -hmm. you know, vehicle traffic on roads, yada, 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 yada. But we don't talk about predation on the on the natural level, we'll say. Right. When it comes to being on the mountain. And that's something that that factor. I mean, we do when we talk about, you know, wolves in Idaho, stuff like that. But that factor You know, weighing that in, if I go into an area, man, and I'm walking an elk trail and I see tons of fresh bear sign, I'm not staying and hunting that area regardless of of how the elk sign from last year's rut looked. I'm boogering out of there, man. I'm going to look for them. Uh, They're not going to be hanging. They're just not going to be hanging there.
2: No, and that's the first time that I could only remember, you know, that happening. And in fact, as soon as it it was funny, because as soon as that herd got vocal and started flooding out of there, you know, we're all looking at each other going, was, was that our herd? Was that our herd that we're sitting here camping on? Was that a different group? You know, we're pulling out our wind checkers. Did the wind change? What the heck? And, and, and couldn't figure it out. And I mean, I had saw a bear because we were working this bull in the morning before he went to bed and thermals changed and, you know, we had to back out. I had seen a bear up on the hillside. So, well, that bear is probably just sitting up there listening to all this commotion. And he's like, you know, a nice tender calf might be pretty yeah. good about right now. Yeah, man. And, and so, so you know, he decided to, you know, come in once everything mellowed out. And, and we didn't realize it. We we stayed there waiting. It's like, nah, that can't be our herd. It's not us. He didn't smell us. And then once it came that time in the evening, we started slipping over and sure enough, here's fresh bear tracks rolling right right through their right bedding through. area. Yep. And and then of course, then we're looking at each other going, did we really just sit here three and a half hours? <laughs> <laughs> so that, you that know, says a lot, right? I mean,
1: sometimes it goes that way, but that's that that's that's kind of the patience I lack unless I got eyes on it and I gotta just sit there and wait it out. I mean, that's that's a rough one.
2: Three hours But is a again, that's but that's knowing your hunting area and, and knowing, you know, their behavior, you know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, head to bed at this time, they're going to bed down about 10, 11 o'clock, you know, three and a half, four hours, their stomach contents are empty, they're going to get up and mill around and feed and water, and then they're going to bed back down until the evening time to where it's, you know, getting up and going out to nighttime feeding area. But then you have dark night versus bright night, cloud cover or front coming in, barometric pressure changing. You know, these are all adjustments on their activities that, man, when you stop and think about everything you got to learn, it's it's exhausting. So
1: (laughs) kill a damn elk, go on a guided hunt. Give me a rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go.
2: But, but I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool though, you know, getting in close and, and, you know, especially, you know, like I said, a lot of times when I'm back there calling um, I remember a bull we got a couple of years ago, I, I mean Bryce ended up getting the shot and and I mean I probably worked this dude for an hour and 15 20, hour and 20 minutes to get him into a shot opportunity and you know Bryce sipped him and then um you know bull runs off and I waited a little bit and then went up and got got up with Bryce and he was like man he goes you showed so much patience in that routine. He goes, you know, it didn't matter what that bull did. You stayed in your story. You stayed painting the picture. And that's another valuable lesson that I think a lot of people, when they, they, there are people that will go out there and they will try calling sequences, but they, they go away from that sequence way too quick because they had a, they had a bull respond 400 yards out, 500 yards out. And again, it goes back to, if you've taken, the time to watch elk interact. There's a difference between a tending bull that's tending to a hot cow versus a defensive tending bull that has a hot cow, but he has other bulls within 150 yards, 100 yards around him. Completely different mindset, completely different calling as far as aggression level. And and so that's one of the keys when you are doing in these sequences. If a bull answers you four, five, 600 yards out, don't pay him any attention. keep doing what you're doing, especially in the breeding sequence. Now once he gets close enough, then you flip from the tending to the defensive, then you can focus on him.
1: and, and, and it's important to say it right and and we do this. a lot of us do this. I've I've done it. Um, it's it's elk time, not people time, right We have yes. to, we have to leave our impatience in camp Mm. or at home or wherever you can get rid of that, right? That, that immediate gratification. And I'm just using that for the lack of a better phrase that, that I want it now. Like we talked about, you know, when we first started, leave that shit in camp and let it play out. And we said it before, right? You, when we started talking about the breeding sequence is you take on that, you know, persona, if you will, of the bull, of the cow. Just keep it going. Who knows? Yeah. You might get yeah. a happy ending at the end of that, right? You're doing the breathing yeah. sequence. What the heck's wrong
0: with that?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's a great point. Elk time versus our time. I, I I I vaguely remember a conversation that you and I had about wearing a watch. Yeah. I actually, and in, I
1: actually stopped it, that last year. <laughs> 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 and I did it on purpose, right? Because I felt like... And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? But Mm -hmm. for my progression and where I want to see myself, the watch was forcing me to be patient. I have to not baby myself, right? Put my big boy britches on and say, hey- Play. Let this play out, right? That's the reason I sat there for 35 minutes on the one bull and decided I was going to go up there. You know, it. it, I'll look at my time. I'll pull out the phone. I'll look and say, okay, that's where I'm at because I've been journaling. I've been writing this or, you know, talk, texting this stuff in so I can go back to camp and I can look at it and then I can find the error in my way. Um, but yeah, a watch is huge. my first couple of seasons, if I didn't have that watch, I would have probably done things for two to f- I'm gonna say two to four minutes. that yep. would have probably been the the length of time that I allowed and then I moved on. I don't even know how many yep. animals walked into that or I walked by blowing out that
2: soon and then that's that's the good part about wearing the watch when you're learning that is to learn the time aspect of it but, After a little while, what happens is now all of a sudden you become a robot. I finish calling. I'm going to look at the watch. Okay, it's two minutes on the nose. I'm going to go again. Okay, we're going to go on the watch. It's been two minutes. I'm going to go again. Whereas without that, you understand what that feeling of that time gap or that Mm -hmm. time duration feels like. So now, once you've understood that part and you understand what an hour feels like on a setup now you can actually then ditch the watch and then you can let it flow naturally maybe you're going at a minute 45 next time maybe it's two and a half minutes but it's it's not on the dot robotic it's but you've you've learned what that time feels like because yeah if you've never looked at a watch before Holy crap. I mean, a five-minute period could feel like two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It it, it is amazing. It is amazing when
1: you actually do it. I mean, you hit it, beep, and you start a sequence, right? And you're like, You know what I mean? It's it's 84 (laughs) degrees out, and that little beam that's coming through the canopy is like, God dang. And you look, and you're like, 220. Like, what the heck? It felt like a lifetime. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and then I think, absolutely. I think for me, too, it, w- it was a lot of, like you said, that robotic kind of sequence, whereas if I'm paying attention and I'm listening, then I'm actually playing off of the elk are, that are responding to me, right? And now it's like, oh, okay, that's what he wants. This is what he's saying. Okay, now let me get into this. Then I know where to escalate it and heat it up. Um, so I think the watch is a great tool to keep you in that zone, we'll call it. Yep. But yep. you're going to have to break away from it at some point to understand, yeah. you know, what it really is. And then that emotion comes into it. Right. And, and responding to them when they're asking for it and timely, instead of going, nope, wait, hold on, bro. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. I want to kill you, but give me 10 more seconds. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. But it yeah, does. Len- it does build, it does build an awareness of our lack it's, of patience in the woods.
2: It does. It absolutely does. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, you, you hear all the time. As soon as a shot happens, let them go for an hour. I I remember early on, you, you might as well just tie me to a freaking tree. If you want <laughs> me to sit there for an hour. I, I mean, it's, Oh yeah. yeah. You're constantly looking at the watch. He's like, is, is it time? You, you know, you almost feel like that, that, uh, Little dog on Looney Tunes, you know that's always that's always Pester and Spike, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey Spike, hey Spike, are we going to go get the cat, Spike? You know, <laughs> and, and that's kind of what you feel like. Is it time to go? 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 And and yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's, it's one of the nuts. toughest things. Yeah, it does. It It'll does. And nuts. so, yeah. But but I mean, you know, he, the other thing too is is just enjoying the moment that you're in and and I think if if you actually do really take the time to learn sequences and really get involved in the sequence they're a blast Oh, they're a lot so, of fun so much i mean fun. i mean especially when you do get that interaction and and everything's going and you're laughing you're having fun and i mean you're just getting into the flow of things and man this is wait what what do you mean you shot dude <laughs> seriously so um yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time. And so what's that? Okay. So that's, so we got the inviting
1: cow routine. Yep. Got the breeding sequence. Yep. What's that? Number three is a charm.
2: So, you know, God, number three is a charm. That's kind of a toss up for me. So it's, it's either the excited herd or it's, the two bulls back and forth. And obviously these, these are, these are calling sequences that you need to have somebody with you. So, because you're feeding off each other. And even if there's only two of you and you're in a caller shooter scenario, you guys can work this to build the excitement around you until a bull gets going. And then whoever the shooter is gets quiet and then they slip into position and the back person takes over. But The excited herd is, is basically, it's exactly that it's, it's a group that maybe they got scattered, you know, maybe, uh, you know, like sometimes here in Idaho, here in Idaho, bear season, hound season will be going at the same time as September. So you can have hounds run through and scatter a herd or, uh, you know, people. Moving through with thermals or this or that can scatter the herd. And so the excited herd is basically it's painting a story of this group of cows that came back together. And you start again with inviting sounds. You start with lost muse, you know, assembly muse. Hey, where is everybody? (gasps) I just got a response. There's one of my friends. There's one of my herd members. Then, you know, you kind of come to each other and and you don't come right next to each other. I mean, you you come to where there's, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards apart, but all of a sudden you're just back and forth with each other. And this is where variation on the reeds and be able to produce different pitches really comes into play. And, you know, you, holding your mouth in different positions, you know, using your tube for some, not for some. Um, but it it creates that excitement of a group kind of coming together. And then yeah, you can you can portray that for a little bit. And then again, you can you can do it for two, three minutes back and forth. That when you have a partner going back and forth, two, three minutes isn't as bad if you're the only one right. doing doing the sounds for two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. So now the the tubal the two bull is, is kind of the same thing, but it's a little different. It's two bulls coming in to spar and fight and basically, you know, mirror each other. Again, if you've ever watched, you know, two bulls that are talking a distance and they come together, how they get side by side and they walk parallel. They're basically mirroring each other because they're sizing each other up. And that's the image that you're portraying. It's two bulls coming together because they both want to be the dominant in that area and you kind of start portraying and you know man you can add raking and i mean you can add aggressive raking to where you're picking up a stick and you're swinging it like a baseball bat and cracking it on the side of that tree because that's what you want you want those cracks you want that volume you want that emotion and and as your calling escalates you're you, you your calling does this the same thing to mask that escalation of, you know, the adrenaline and the anger. And, and so both of those work well on silent days. So that's kind of one of those things that, you know, we may do at the start of the season. We may do it in the middle of the season. Yeah, um, not very often during peak rut. I mean, when it's peak rut time, I'm, I'm breathing sequence. Yeah. So, except for the middle of the day, middle of the day, middle of the day, it's lost calf.
1: Mm, there you go. Mm. There's a, there's a <laughs> pearl. So, and I'm just throwing mine in there. I didn't, nobody asked me, but um, pre post peak raking bull huffs wines, some grunny wines, low audible, Problem is solo. That yes. is the biotch in that scenario. But hot dang last year, I had just shy of half a dozen bulls come in. All got within 40 to 50 yards. Um, but they are going to be frontal. Every time I've done mm-hmm. it, the bull has. i watched one when, uh, what was it, not last year, year before. My wife raked a bull in. Same Same deal. And I watched him come across the bench get even with her and face her. And this was <clears throat> me, her, I knew where we were at. I should have planned for it, got in front of her, but I have to tell her when to rake, when to huff. Right. So it's like this, this training sequence we were on. And that's the that right. giant fork farter that, that we saw. Um, but man, it is, it's a very, I expect something to come in. It's a very, yeah. very powerful sequence. Um, we had we had an entire herd walking by us. I'm going to say there was probably 30 to 35 animals. And about seven of those animals peeled off. And I was just huffing and raking. And they peeled off. My buddy had a shot opportunity. Uh, the bull was a little bit further than he was comfortable with by the time he got eyes on it. Um, but yeah, he had the bullhead stopped. He's a nice little rag, and the bullhead stopped. I just cows, I mean, literally walk, will walk with the calves right up to you raking. If they, especially if they come on the opposite side of whatever you're raking, they'll come right up and like, what's, what the hell's going on? We've had that happen multiple times. If you're looking to shoot a cow, man, just all you got to do is rake a little bit of huffing, yep. raking. Yep. You don't even have to whine or get those grunny whines in there. Just rake. They're, yeah. they're coming in, man. That's, I love, I, I mean, it's, and it's easy, right? Because it's not, it's not an Im- imposing introduction. If I'm no. in an area and it's like, Oh, okay, there's a bull over here. Let's just test the water a little bit. I don't know what I'm dealing with in this bull. Let me yep. rake on this a little bit and you know, <sighs> a little bit while I'm, and man, I mean, and they tend to respond. That's the, that's another problem with it too. Right. With, with those low audible um, calls, is they tend to respond like and kind with low audible. Yeah. So if you, yeah. if you have crap for ears, but you better be on top of it. You better be standing right over his bedroom doing it. Cause yes. you really have, you can lose them in your action there, you know, yeah. but man, I, I love raking. I use, well, you know, I carry that dang yeah. redwood stick with me and I don't, cause I yeah. don't want to pick up. Okay. If you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna rake, pick up, Pick up your branch, whatever it is, but give that sob a little bit of a test just to make sure that it's not going to just fall apart on you while you're sitting there raking. Um, you know, find something that's going to sound like that's why I did the redwood. I mean, this thing is about yeah. inch and a half, close to two inches. I can crack it hard when I need to, and if not, it's just a nice brush up and slip it right back in the pot, the pack. Man, I don't, I'm not worried about looking. You know, that bull over there is raking. I want to respond that way. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that thing. Any who
2: address. No, no, and no, you're, you you know you're exactly right. And and that's one of the things that within my breeding sequence I do a lot more raking, huffs, grunts, and whines than I do anything else because I want to hold back the lip ball. I want to hold back the challenge bugle, mm-hmm. and and I want to introduce those once I know that I've got a bull that I'm not going to intimidate. I'm reading on what he's given me and his aggression level rising, and because you're exactly right, those are all non-threatening. They're they're non-confrontational sounds, um, but highly, highly effective. And, and in fact, it's a lot of times in the breeding sequence that, I mean, there's a lot of times we don't even get a response until we introduce the raking, you know, and we introduce the huffs, grunts and whines, then we start getting mm-hmm. responses. And the reason being is because of those, those, that raking and the huffs and grunts, those are only sounds that they do during the rut. They don't do that anytime. outside of that so they're not going to do that in january they don't do it in you know may it's those are synonymous with the rut and those are sounds that they recognize and that's why it's it's so effective on those um but yeah and in talking about the sticks that's why i mean i my guys laugh at me because when i'm back there during the breeding sequence and i find a good rubbing stick or a good raking stick, I will lean it up against that tree. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times we'll go back into an area and those guys will be like, Michael's been tree. here. Cause you, cause you, no, because you'll see three or four sticks leaned Stable up on trees, trees. Yeah. No, because, you know, I, I'm moving around and doing it. And and so, yeah, you're exactly right. You find that good stick and you keep it. And, yeah. <laughs> lean, it up, lean it up against that tree for the next time you're
1: back in that area. So the one thing you didn't talk about in the, in the breeding sequence is the, uh, is the glunks the glunks that uh you want to talk about one of the coolest elk sounds there is when when you hear that glunk you know that they're He's they're close. within 20 yards right i haven't i haven't heard one any any further off than that i'm gonna say that bull was about 15 to 17 that is the coolest and and probably the hardest vocalization to make period Bar none, game over. If you if you got a good glunk and you want to escalate the situation, that's gonna do it. Um, I think of the mistake with the glunk is, donk 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 in that one spot. Right the the bull that came in on me glunking, it was there was a cadence because he was or,
2: moving and it or, was with his cadence right, while walking while he's coming boom, in there right boom. and yeah boom. boom 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 and, and 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 he also um my experience that when they're coming in glunking like that they're also
1: you mm-hmm. boom. get that that, that boom, boom.
2: lip thing yeah too. <laughs> yeah i i mean you know they're 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 doing some huffs mm-hmm. in the in the middle of those glunking it's not just I'm going to bang on my tube five, six, seven times right. and not put anything else in it. I, 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 again, it's and and you're not going to know that unless you're really paying attention to you know what's going on and and that's that's just you know being a student of the game while you're out there is just huge and and, and also too I mean you're you're in the calling sequence and paying attention to you know how things are are responding. So, um, I mean, I remember talking to you. You, you learned a valuable lesson about raking which and introducing. <laughs> which one? I've learned so many valuable <laughs> lessons, bro. <laughs> In- introducing some sort of elk sound or bull sound mm-hmm. before, not just, you know, break right into raking. You've, you've introduced yes. an elk sound before you, you went into the raking. Because if you just break into the raking, they don't know, mm-hmm. you know, is that an elk? Is that a bear scraping his claws on the, on the, you know, bark? And, and is there a predator in my area? Am I in danger? And, and so, you know, introducing that, that elk, which again, could be as simple as just some, you know, just, just a couple of huffs and a soft little grunt.
1: Mm-hmm. Should break as in. you're
2: as, as you're walking up to the tree step on there a stick to crack crack as you're going and, and then start raking
1: okay i'm going to wrap after this one so you just said being a student right so uh-huh. in the heat of the moment right that is the hardest thing to do keep in calm so you can be that front of the class student, if you will, how do you, how do you keep your wits about you to gather that information so you can go back and analyze it and be that guy that's sitting outside the 90% be it that year or the following seasons?
2: You know, honestly, time, time, more encounters, Um, but also the ability that after an encounter to just sit down for a moment and dissect it. You know, run everything through your head. You know, like you said, look inwardly. Okay, what what happened? Why wasn't this successful? Or why was this successful? I mean, especially if you got a shot opportunity and an arrow and a bull, you're gonna be sitting there for a little bit anyways. So why not replay everything through your head? And in journaling, like you said, is a great thing because you take the time to journal man the ability to go back when you know snows fallen and you can't get out and hunt you're stuck indoors and reading through those you it replays through your head as you're reading it and what's amazing is each time you read it you're going to focus in on small little details that you didn't notice the first time you wrote it down. So now all of a sudden you're going to do a paragraph to what you just wrote. You know, you're either, you're gonna have this paragraph up here. And then all of a sudden, at least I did, I would have this arrow that would go from this paragraph down to here to the mm-hmm. bottom. And I would write a paragraph. And then eventually you got these arrows. So it's like, crap, okay, I got to rip that page out and I got to rewrite this whole thing. But those are all valuable tools to be able to replay that. Or, you know, watch YouTube videos, watch elk videos, you know, watch other people's hunts, see how they do things. You know, you may not sit there and go, and and sometimes we're pretty harsh critics as we're watching videos going, seriously, they just did that? I would not. Oh, shit, he got a shot. Okay, maybe I need to think about that. You know, I wouldn't have done it that way, but it worked here. You know, go listen to seminars. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still love going to seminars, and it's funny because I'll hear some people p- talk about things, and I'll be like, "God, I used to do that and really had a lot of success. Why did I stop?
1: Why did I go away from that?" Because the last seminar you went so, to.
2: So yeah, <laughs> the last the last seminar I went to was uh, Paul Paul Madell. No, oh, I'm not, saying here I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm saying that's that's a lot of times why
1: we will move away from something that works. Is because we
2: went to another seminar, we went to another
1: seminar, right? And we're and we're looking for the the latest and greatest a lot of times, right? How how can I increase that success? Um, yep.
2: That's what I was gonna say. The the increase of success in the constant strive for perfection, Mm -hmm. that perfect calling, that perfect setup, that perfect this. We're out in the woods, you're not gonna have. Perfect, perfect right. every single time.
1: That's perfect
2: when it all comes together. It but does. <laughs> it was per- It was per. It was perfect for you know that scenario, but also too understanding that each encounter is different. It's going to bring a different aspect. It's going to bring a different mentality. It's going to bring a different pace, and and so that that's I, I can't stress that enough to people is the ability to adjust what you're doing while you're in the middle of doing it. So, but again, that's that comes with time and encounters to be able to be that student of the game. You know, like, like you said earlier, oh man, based on that bull's response, that's what he wants to hear. We we so get infatuated with getting into screen fests that we will flat out ignore cow sounds when we have a bull that will just... Sh- Scream his freaking lips off in response to a cow sound, but then be really timid on a bugle. But dang it, he responded to the bugle. Yeah, but he was 10 times more excited to the cow sound. But no, we're gonna force him because we want to get into that bugle fast. Me personally, I don't care if I cow call, if I use cow calls to get a bull in, I don't care if it's raking, I don't care if it's bugling. Biggest thing is is getting that bull into shooting range, effective shooting range, and having that encounter. That to me is a, a successful hunt. Now, whether an arrow was flung or not, you get a bull within under forty yards. That's a successful hunt, especially if your first encounter with him was five, six, seven hundred yards out.
1: One more, can't go wrong. Well, you can't go wrong, right? We're We, we people it up, um, give them, give them that one pearl, that one pearl for the mountain this year.
2: Ah, go in with a goal, you know, figure out what you want out of this season. And, and what I mean by that is figure out what you want to learn. Challenge yourself to learn one thing every time you go out. And if you do that, you will be surprised at how much knowledge that you gain when you actually look back on everything that you learned. And, you know, it, if, if your, you know, goal is, is, is to, you know, learn morning and evening travel corridors in the area that you're hunting, do not go away from that until you've learned morning and evening travel corridors for your hunt area because one it's you're going to learn your area better you're going to learn your elk's behaviors better which is just going to help you in the long run because now you can actually take that information and then when you get back home you can pull it up on on x or base map or you know google earth whatever you use And now really look at that area. And then you're going to look at that area completely different. But then once that's learned, don't just sit there and go, okay, I learned my one thing for the season. Bullshit. Choose something else Mm. to learn. Learn as many things as you can throughout the time that you have, you know, this season. And, And I can guarantee you, you will learn so much more about elk. And you will also learn so much more about yourself, too cuz maybe maybe your challenge or what you want to learn is how much ground to hike or you know you always go into this one area the same way every time okay? and nothing's coming out of it <laughs> set, yeah set a set a goal to learn set a goal to learn a new way in
1: mm-hmm. that could be a game changer a,
2: that was one of the challenges for me this weekend when we went up to camp. So we we have this rectangle of public ground that's completely surrounded by private. Now, there is actually numbered Forest Service roads that you can get to this area. But that's one of the things that I wanted to learn this year was I want to learn how to come in from the southern end of this because we always come in from the north. And every time we go in there, we hear the elk flooding to the south boundary to water. And then they flood back partway in. Okay. I'm going to learn the Southern way in there. So those elk are basically coming to me in the morning. I'm not having to worry about thermals and chase them. I'm, I'm eliminating a variable and basically they're coming to me. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I learned that in fact, Liz was with me. We jumped in the general and I said, okay, let's go, let's go find these and then try a couple of things. And all of a sudden it's like, dude, this is so stinking easy to get in. (laughs) And and I mean, it's like, okay, now now my dilemma is, do I take the general and make the sound coming in? Or do I get the Baku e-bike out and slip Slip down this old road nice and quiet so they have no clue? So, but now, because I've learned that, we have that that option. option. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So... Cool, my brother. Well, man,
1: I appreciate it. Uh um, oh. it's always always a pleasure, man, an honor to have you on. Um, you know, when 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 a guy is batting, you're batting average, it uh kind of a fool's game not to listen, you know, this <laughs> close to season. So no, I appreciate you, man, in in dropping this on folks and you know, helping educate, you know, the guys that have been doing it for a long time and the folks that uh are pretty green at it, man. I know everybody would echo that.
2: No, it's 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 always an honor and always a pleasure. And and you know, that whole time deal, it always seems like whenever we sit down, just that time goes way too freaking fast. God it's always places, like, Are you man. serious? Yeah. I, man, we just barely started talking. But no, it's always a pleasure, always love coming on and and yeah, excited, excited for season. So it's yeah, coming. Getting antsy, brother i know i know same same here so in fact we've we're already making plans um in fact when we were up there this weekend we we made the plans for opening day who's going where what area they're hunting so and you know then then you know that group because there's there'll be five of us in camp so we're going two two and one the one is actually going to be me and Knox. i got i got Knox that easy heck sucker yeah, from phelps man uh-huh. he is he is producing some sweet, sweet sounds. cow sounds Heck yeah! and so heck you know heck. last year he was designated raker now he gets to do and and i got him the baby hoochie mama so he can be there on the easy sucker and the hoochie mama and, and yeah yeah doing a little raking. and so uh, yeah i'm i'm excited to uh get him back there calling heck yeah brother well best of luck to you guys this season man thank you Yo, you bet. Thank you. Best of luck to you and everybody listening. Best of luck. Be safe. Shoot straight.